this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hi, friends and fans. This is Jeffrey Mark. That's why the show is called Hitting the Mark. And we're talking about two people I love and telling wonderful stories about the incredible Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet. I'm yeah. trying to remember what his like, biggest song. I know I remember Edie singing You and Me Against the World, although I know that wasn't her biggest song. But I cannot, there was one song he was known for, and I can't for the life of me right now. I, I've Gotta Be Me, Portrait of My Love, was probably his biggest uh, single. Okay. Portrait of My Love was a top 40 hit for him. Okay. Uh, this Could Be the Start of Something Big was a top 40 hit for both of them. For Edie, Blame It on the Bossa Nova, Frenesy, uh, they both had several. I, I I would say without boring our audience listing names of songs, Steve and Edie each had about six songs that were big yeah. hits. Well, if you have an act where you're singing 12 songs and six of them are big hits, you've got quite an act. If mm -hmm. you do an act together, you've got 12 songs that are huge hits. Uh, yep. And then you fill in with other things. You've got quite a good act for the public to really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I remember her singing uh, Guess Who I Saw Today, too. Yeah, that wasn't a big hit for her. Edie had a string of albums on Columbia Records that were excellent. Mm -hmm. And Costa did a lot of the arrangements for her. And she was singing a lot of what I would call the Sinatra songbook kind of thing. Yeah. Really, really well-made songs that were either... 20s and 30s and 40s songs or things that have been written more recent to their recording but that other people were also singing because they had become standards steve sang more pop music more things mm -hmm. that were written especially to be recorded in the moment he did less covering of the american songbook i don't think his recordings had the same wonderful arrangements that edie's did Although Edie did pull a fast one. If you listen to Blame It on the Bossa Nova, she's completely off key through most of the song on purpose. It was what was done in one take. She hated the song. She hated the song. She didn't want to record it. So she purposely sang badly, thinking they'd bury it. No, they released it and it was a big hit and nobody heard the difference. Interesting. But you, you, know, you mentioned she didn't sing it live. Well, um Go Away, Little Girl was actually done by Bobby V. And it was written by Carol King and Jerry Goffin. He, he did it yeah. first. But, but Steve Donnie did have a Osmond hit with it. Also. Yes, yeah. he did. Yes, he did. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I mean, you know, Steve Lawrence, hopefully it, it would be nice um, to do some kind of a documentary on Steve and Edie. Um, may, maybe like a, um, people like the individuals that we talk about every week you know, to, to put them together because a lot of young people will never get to see the footage of yeah. their performances. It would be nice to there's, see them. There's plenty of it. Steve and E were constantly on television starting in the fifties with Steve Allen. And they were on 
every variety show, every game show that had celebrities at night. They did Password. They did What's My Line. They did every variety show in the 60s. They were on a lot of television in the 70s. It began to wane a little bit. Uh, they did The Love Boat. Mm-hmm. I think the only area they did not ever really get into was films. They were a little too Jewish. They were, as we were talking about looks, they looked better in person. Film didn't really get them. And let me mm-hmm. say, transparency, film doesn't get me either. I'm much better mm-hmm. in person than I am on camera. I'm handsomer. Whatever it is that makes me, that makes me uh, someone people want to watch and be entertained by, it's much better in person than it is when I've done TV or I've made films. I, I didn't do badly, but it, nobody's like, ooh, let's go see a Jeffrey Mark film. Uh, right? <laughs> that, that, that never happened. A, my films were terrible. And I, it's, it's not my medium. And it wasn't their medium either. But there is tons, tons of video available of Stephen Eady doing sketches and singing all kinds of music. So yeah, it, it would be wonderful to do that as it would be wonderful with a lot of people we talk about here every week. The problem is financing for something like that and who will really watch it Mm -hmm. because these are people best remembered by the baby boomers, of which I am one, or maybe the next generation after me, which is Ray's generation. Uh, But the young people today don't know who Stephen Eady were. They don't know who Steve Allen was. They don't know who Johnny Carson is anymore. So uh, there there are diminishing returns to that. But like they just did the documentary, what was it, two years ago on Rosemary and that won a ton of awards and people had been watching. So maybe. Well, Rosie was alive for it. Rosie could, I'm calling Uh her Rosie because she was a personal friend. Rosie was alive for it. Rosie was able to participate in it. Rosie brought her home movies to the thing there. And the people with whom Rosie played through the years were still alive. So Peter Marshall was able to be a part of it and Carl Reiner and Dick Van Dyke. They were still there. It's easier. (laughs) When your main person is no longer with us, much harder to make a documentary. Okay. Because then it is people like me. The The only choice they have is to show clips and get the Jeffrey Marks of this world who knew these people or worked with them or are historians to tell you about how they fit into history. Right. But hey, anybody out there who loves Stephen Eady, you want to pony up some dough to uh, help us make a documentary? I'll contact (laughs) their remaining son and see if they're interested. And I'd love to do one because they deserve it. As does Dinah Shore, who's never had a documentary done about her life. That's a good idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So contact Ray and Cindy. (laughs) And tell them that you got some dough to pony up here and we'll get to work. Yeah. I am a producer of documentaries and I'd love to do it. Indeed. Indeed. That would be very nice. Well, you know, I learned a lot about Stephen Eady today, Jeffrey, and it was, you know, every, every Monday that we get together, you know, or whatever day this is, it's always a pleasure because it's uh, a day that I look forward to. I thank you. So next time on meeting the Mark, we're going to do something a little different. We're not going to talk about a person I know. We're going to talk about people I know or knew because we're going to talk about an iconic sitcom of the 1960s, The Patty Duke Show. And we could fill 
three hours with the stories about how this show came to be about its original creators, Sidney Sheldon and William Asher, its original director, also William Asher, its producer in money, meaning was his production company, Peter Lawford, and of course, Anna, who you knew as Patty Duke, uh, and William Shallert, who played her father, who was a friend of mine. There are so many stories to tell here. Uh, we could almost do a two-part show. So next time on Hitting the Mark, we're going to be hitting the stories about Iconic, the Patty Duke show. So this is Jeffrey Mark, along with my friends Ray Carr and Cindy Verbalin. Hope you enjoyed it. Look forward to next time. And as always, God bless you and have a happy.